Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 215 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. It's my favorite coffee. I drink it every morning. Sometimes I drink it twice a day. Uh, a lot of my friends are actually starting to drink Couchtown, which is pretty cool. So uh, if you guys are interested in drinking coffee in the morning, which you know basically everybody does, uh, check it out, couchtowncoffee.com. You find a coffee you like, you let them know how you want it roasted, and they'll ship it to your house. All you got to do is grind it up and enjoy the coffee. Trust me, there's a lot of people I know that are converting because this is some of the freshest coffee they've ever had, and it's surprising how good it is. So check it out. And when you find a coffee you like, let them know Audible Farm sent you, and they will give you 20% off. You know why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Thanks, Couchtown. This week is also brought to you by the patrons on the Patreon channel. Audiblefarm.com has a pa- or Audible Farm has a Patreon channel at patreon.com slash audiblefarm. It's $1 a month, and you can watch video versions of the podcast. We have a handful of patrons over there donating variable amounts of money. It costs as little as $1 a month. And uh, you can watch video versions of the podcast. That's four a month, usually, uh, you know, roughly 50 a year uh, for like 12 bucks for the whole year. That's not too much. But uh, otherwise, check it out. I got to say thanks to all the patrons over here. Uh, lots of them over there. We got Nate. We got Eric, Vince, Ronley, Andy, Abby, Matt, Harold, Justin, the McAllister Hours, another podcast from Iowa that is also one of our patrons. That's pretty cool. We also have American Made Music a band from Iowa that is also a patron. So thank you guys very much for being patrons. Check it out, patreon.com slash audiblefarm. This episode, I am sitting down with Tim Sigler. Uh, Tim Sigler has been in a lot of bands. Uh, it's funny because we've met each other before, but we've never really sat down and had like a, an honest one-on-one long conversation. And this was, this was basically the first one we ever had. And it was tons of fun. I had a great time sitting sitting down talking, getting to know him. I feel like he's a guy that has a lot of stories and uh, probably won't run out of them. And I'll tell you what, they're good stories too. From what I got out of him today, I, I think we're going to have to have him back on the podcast again. But he's the bassist of Elision, and he's also been in some other bands that I've either seen live or shared the stage with around Iowa. He's been very, very active in Iowa in the music scene, uh, especially in the metal scene down near the Des Moines area and uh, beyond. Uh, it's it's really cool to, to hear some of his stories, uh, how he started out in Florida, who got him interested in, in listening to music, some of his fun stories about his first CDs he ever bought. I loved, I mean, I'm giving too much away. I'm giving too much away. You're going to enjoy this episode. I know you are. I had a blast sitting down talking with Tim. Like I said, he's been in a handful of bands. And by a handful, I mean, he's been in a handful of bands that have made albums and and been decently established and had good production and stage presence and and fan bases. So it's kind of cool to hear his story on all this. Like I said, I, I, I feel like we, we're just peeling the one layer of this onion at a time, and uh, there's plenty more layers to go. But but sit back and enjoy this one. This is a really fun one with one of my new friends out there in the music scene, Tim Sigler. He plays bass in Elision. Uh, fun story. The first time anybody ever announced that band to me, they pronounced it wrong, uh, and I pronounced it wrong in this podcast once. But uh, it is Elision for everyone that, that needs to know how to pronounce it. If you say, how do I pronounce that? It is Elision. That's how you pronounce it. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be an awesome one. It's episode 215 with my new buddy, Tim Sigler. 
is the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, I'm sitting down today talking with Tim Sigler. Tim, I've actually seen you at some shows here and there around the Des Moines scene. You are currently the bassist of Elision. Am I am I right? The bassist? I'm pretty sure I saw yeah, that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I went to your guys' website. Your website's awesome. Yeah, that's what uh, Sam's doing. Um, when we picked her up, I didn't know she was like a interior designer for uh, stadiums. What? So, <laughs> just, yeah, she designs insides of stadiums. That's that- her job. So she knows all this web stuff and marketing. That's her background. So she just kind of came in and it's like, no, you guys' sites and what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing, but I can do it better. And we're like, take it. And she's like, there's a website. She does all of our new merch lineup that we're doing now, designs. Like, you know, she's just a phenomenal add-on, actually. It's that, like impressive because I'm used to being the workhorse. That's crazy. That's super cool that that's, you know, that she's doing that. Um, she? Did I say it right? No? He? What? S- Sam? She. She. I was thought I was right yeah. on that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if you guys haven't realized by now, uh, I actually haven't spent a terribly large amount of time in the Des Moines scene since basically since COVID started. So, it's been a while since I've been down there. But you have been in bands that I, I know I've at least shared the stage with or seen you play at one point in time down in Des Moines. Uh, Hours of Decay. I do recall seeing you somewhere or at least seeing them somewhere, at least in my path. I listened to a pile of it today. Wild <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people. It's funny because when we started Elysian, Nolan's the guitarist, one of the guitarists for that band too. So when we started this project, people thought we were kind of coming out with that Hours of Decay sound. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, I we kind of caught a little bit of slack from the people that aren't quite as open minded. Like, you know, this ain't metal. And I'm like, no, it's it's music. You know, like, but the thing is, is when Nolan and I started this project, we didn't want to be in those boxes because, mm-hmm. like him, it, you know call it being a hired hand but when i came here i got in a band with apathy i was the second bass player got in a band with hours of k after that second bass player so i really you could help write but you always have these limits you had to deal with and then when nolan and i found ourselves without a project and we're like we like all types of stuff like zappa primus you know tool and then you also got Nolan, who likes these obscure thrash metal bands and Lore Guts. And I'm a huge Dillinger fan. So we're like, you know what? Let's just start a project. And if we want to write a really rocky Southern rock song, we're going to do it. And then we're going to tear it up at the end. And, uh, you know, just kind of those concepts. If we want to go super heavy and technical, we're going to do it. So and I think, think one of the best compliments, because we've been recording a lot. Uh, so I kind of like sneak our own songs out to other musicians during the process. And I think one of the, the greatest compliment I ever got was from Joe Youngbear from Reddit. He was like, you guys, this stuff is seemingly complicated. So I was uh-huh. like, thank you, man. That's, that's a hell of a compliment. So Honestly, yeah, from one musician to another to say that something is complex, it's uh, it's kind of that whole like jazz is music for musicians kind of deal where it's like, 
there's stuff going on here and i'm not 100 percent sure what it is it's not just like open chords or power chords or yep. just something super simple and not that there's anything wrong with that because i'm in plenty of bands that do plenty of stuff like that and that's what a lot of music is but uh i will have to say that when when you sent me links to all of your projects you've been in over time i started listening to them and i started kind of realizing that like they're not they're not the same from one to the next when i feel like sometimes when people hop from band to band, the bands are kind of similar, you know, from this band to that band to this band or whatever. Um, and, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, even from apathy syndrome to hours of decay, that was one where it's like, well, it's Des Moines metal or like, you know, Midwest metal or whatever. And it's going to, it's all going to be kind of similar or whatever. And it's not, it's really not. Um, so what I kind of want to do is we're going to put a pin in the Elysian stuff in the Des Moines scene for now, but let's backtrack it just a little bit. Let's, uh, talk about how you got started playing music. Oh, just music in general. Yeah. Like what was, what was the thing that kind of got you into it? Was there like a band or one of your buddies or was, Oh, I remember this vividly. Um, I went and, uh, I just moved to the East coast from Arkansas. What, what was I like? 12? Or 13 somewhere around there a little, cult, and, uh, little bit of a culture shock maybe <laughs> yeah but uh so i'm riding with my brother-in-law and he's playing all this music for me like nine inch nails corn and i'm just like and i've always been a fan of music but like this was like stuff i haven't quite heard yet like you know of course like i was a fan of guns and roses when i was like seven and like i've always been into music but like that day we're just driving i think we're going from uh, south carolina to jacksonville so he's playing me all this music and then he pops in primus pork soda album nice and I just was like blown away and i was like i looked at him and i was like what's that sound and he's like that's a bass guitar and i'm like what's a bass guitar and is there like five of them in the band and he's like oh. <laughs> and so when we got to where i was moving to i Worked a full summer mowing lawns and bought my first bass and my first amp. Nice. So around 15. And it, it's just because that Primus album and the Corn album and, you know, the Trent Reznor stuff. But, like, that album just was like, I want to be a bass player. Because I never heard anything quite like that, you know, bass-wise. It stands out. It's not just in, a, you know, getting mixed where it just blends in where it's there but it's not type of concept. And... It just really spoke to me, and I've been playing bass ever since. So that's that's a really good point, though. Too like I still recall one of the first times I heard somebody playing what I would call like a lead bass of some sort, you know. Um, and ironically, like it was just before I had heard of Primus. I was probably in like I, I don't know, like ninth grade, something like that, eighth grade, somewhere in there. And uh, one of the jazz band teachers was like, "Watch this video," and it was some guy slapping a bass in like a jazz band fashion. And like my brain exploded. I was like, what in the world? I've never even thought this was a thing that was possible. And then, like you said, you go over to the Primus stuff and it's like, oh, this guy's like playing the bass like a banjo or something. He's going nuts on this thing. All over the It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, It's the reason I play bass. So that's that's really cool actually it's a fun story too because you know you get the influence of uh somebody from the outside to kind of help you be like this check this out or check that out or whatever and it's uh it's fun because a lot of times it's people's like older siblings or or things like that or like uh you know usually you get a lot of guys like oh my older brother liked you know this so he showed it to me or whatever and i liked it uh so like yours was your brother-in-law though you said yeah but you know like i somehow always found my way to music because Remember those BMG things? 
like the BMG, like send in 12 cents, you get like 12 records. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I lived in Arkansas, it had to be like seven or eight, somewhere around there. And, well, I have the same name as my dad. (laughs) So I'm in a, I live at the foothills of the Ozarks, so there's nothing. So, and I have this stereo with nothing, so this comes in the mail. I picked these random stuff, not even knowing who they are. And they came in, and then I just was like, oh, not bad. Like, I ordered Steely Dan, yes. ACDC, Kiss, Metallica, like, Dave Matthews Band, like, you know, which, I don't know, maybe that's kind of the way the, why I am now. It's because I've always fell into, like, these weird things where it's like I've always liked all types of music from just being a little boy. So it's just, I mean, I can't remember the quite other ones I've chose, but they were a little... I think uh, I got some Graham Norton in there, like just all over the place. Dude, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Especially if you're picking them out kind of blindly. Like you named a few of the bands. And I'm like, oh, cool, heavy bands. And like just by names, if you didn't know them, I'd be like Steely Dan. I bet they're heavy as hell. And it's like, well, not, <laughs> not really. But they there was just straight names. I didn't even know what different genres were. I just was like going through this catalog. Eh, check, check, you know. <laughs> That's so cool. I also think that's something, um, I don't want to say it's like just metal people have it, but I feel like metal people are either one way or the other. Like people that kind of lean into the metal music or play metal music and things like that. We either like all the music or we are kind of picky about the music, you know? Um, Well, I like to say, like, I'll speak for Nolan and I because we kind of, we're metal heads, but then we, we, uh, we're open-minded, but we're very closed-minded at the same time. Like, we like the other things, but we like what we like. We don't like the full, let's say if it's funk, we don't like the full funk genre, but we'll pull out Bootsy Collins bands, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, that that type of stuff. You know, like, it's very, I'm very selective in my, my other listenings, so. Yeah, I mean, it's still, though, one of those things, I feel like, uh, that's still a benefit to you and everyone else around you because not that's not necessarily always the case, especially with, uh, like I said, especially with the metal musicians. Because you even said that, like when you uh, started Elysian, eh, <laughs> when you started Elysian, it's we had to talk about that before the podcast. Um, anyways, when you started Elysian, you said people were kind of like, wait a second, this isn't necessarily the metal we were expecting but like metal is such a wide genre that it's really not super definitive and there's not really like a hard and fast rule of like you've crossed you've went past rock and now you're in metal you know there's not really like anything like that so i feel like a lot of us actually take a lot of our influences whether or not we know it that aren't necessarily metal and kind of toss them in there a little bit here and there it's way way better now like because i grew up in florida you know my teens were I graduated in 2002, so all through the 90s, the big grind metal, death metal movement, mm-hmm. you know, like Orlando, I was three hours away from it, you know, like a lot of my first projects after I got past the punk stuff, which I like punk, but the stuff I started doing stuff was like more on the extreme metal side. But I've always had this weird thing where I want to bring other influences in, which was a huge no-no in the 90s. <laughs> either, you know, it was either... Grind metal or death metal. You can't mix them. And then you have my weird ass that's a huge Mr. Bungle fan trying to bring those influences into metal. And (laughs) I caught so much shit all the time. But I remember going to watch one of my favorite bands is Fall Carnage. 
uh, they're out of Colorado and they're like a jazz fusion metal band. Like they go heavy, but they have these nice jazz breakdowns. Mm-hmm. But I'm an artist and I seen them open up for Cannibal Corpse and I seen everybody turn around and flip them off. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, these, and I'm up there like, these guys are amazing. And I'm just like, what is wrong? So, but then, you know, through the years you had these Spice Icon, you know, a Nostra Front and Anthrax kind of breeds a little bit of the gap in that era too. So it's like then everybody started getting along, which blows my, my mind now. 20 years later, like, it's so acceptable to everybody to mess genres when I grew up in an era where it's a no-no. So actually, like, uh, I still get a little bit nervous before I play shows now, especially with the type of music we're writing, which nobody really, you know, we don't fit anywhere. And then we brought in a female vocalist. And uh, so sometimes I still get a little nervous trying to see what the the crowd's going to do or what they're going to treat us like. But then I'm like, then I get a bucket switch. Fuck it, let's just do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that happened at eight, I Hate God. Well, we were we we're on that show and we were direct support before the two touring acts. And uh, I looked out and, you know, I'm like, man, this, this crowd probably eat us alive, you know. Because with our, our vocal switch, Sam makes it sound a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. So I remember sitting there looking at Wade. And I'm like, dude, are we going to paint up? We, how do you feel? And he's like, I don't know, man. And then finally I just that switch. Like, screw it, dude. Who gives a shit? Let's go out there and play. Like, let's go out there, have fun. You know, they'll appreciate what we put on. And if not, oh, well. And then I remember looking out and lefties is shoulder to shoulder. There's a part where we kind of naturally just swing and the full crowd swinging with us. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, these evil people, <laughs> like, you're like, these angry people are appreciating our music. And then I had people come up after us and was just like complimenting on our sound and how unique it was and how different. And I was like, but where's the butt? They're like, what do you mean? I was like, normally people come up since we got Sam, say, we like you, but, or this, but. And then there was like no butts afterwards. There was no asterisks, you know? And it really made me feel good. Like, well, we can win over the I hate God crowd in the, you know, we index case crowds and all those. So it was, you know, it was me, you know, kind of, I guess, maybe not not being accepting of a crowd, which is weird because I appreciate everybody. But still, like, was that saying? Know your audience. Yeah. When you really don't know what your audience is. How do you know your audience? So. I, I, f- I feel the pain, man. I know exactly where you're coming from. The 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 downfall is the benefit like you don't fit any in anywhere but that makes that makes it guess what now you fit in everywhere because of that like you can play with you can play with the punk bands you can play with the rock bands you can play with the metal bands you can play you know anything in that like third of music you can just be like i i fit in here now we can play with any of these bands and we're gonna stand out you know and that's that's beneficial i mean as you know i play three finger betty we play you know pretty much just like hard and fast punk music uh, rock and roll, something kind of in that area, but uh, that's usually our thing too. Is we'll go on these shows with these metal bands, and it's like, well, you're not really metal, but it's it's different, and I kind of dig it, you know. Or you go play with these uh, kind of pop punky kind of bands or things like that, uh, leaning closer into the emo and things like that. And it's like every now and then you get a, a gig with one of those, and it's like, well, this band was different, but they kind of still fit, kind of, you know. So uh, I I do enjoy it when a band doesn't quite fit a genre, and that just gives you flexibility that not all the other bands have you know yeah i agree like you know it does open up a lot of opportunities but then it, then again it also kind of shuts off some opportunities at the same times you know mm-hmm. like 
no, like nobody's going to put us on a beat down show, even though we have beat down elements here and there. <laughs> you know? True. So, yeah. But it's fun. We were playing those beat down shows. You can tell once we hit those beat down moments, the crowd would go off, but then they wouldn't know what to do because we switched from those real quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh my God, they this slamming thing into this freaking three four to a seven three riff what the hell is going on you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's so. also really f- i love that kind of stuff too when you're like in the crowd and you're watching a band you're just kind of paying attention you're bobbing your head to it and you're like wait a second i'm not on the snare anymore what happened here yeah yeah it, it's odd because now it's when we first started you know we started playing and i don't me personally nobody's you know i've been a figure of the the music scene for a while you know, I played in a couple of the big, bigger local bands, but, you know, so everybody knows I can bring a stage show and I can play, but nobody really knew how far, you know, we could go from one realm to another, you know, mm-hmm. go from super to heavy, tell a story, you know, drive a line along, you know. And uh, so when we first started playing, it was people just like tilt their heads and stare because they didn't know what they were listening to. <laughs> I remember like, man, I hate when people do that. And I was like, I don't. I love it. it means they're paying attention. And yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like, I wish you guys would be like, you know, throwing chairs and moshing. Not really. But like, you know, I wish you guys would be having a good time. But at the same time, that's like exactly like you said. You know they're paying attention. They're intrigued by what's going on. And that's awesome. Well, yeah. And like, I still get weirded out because now, two years later, people will start pit scenarios. And I'm like okay that's that's interesting you know <laughs> it happens and from a guy like me because i i don't go into pits like i'm the guy in the back that just wants to drink his beer and bob his head and chill you know enjoy it in just look at the stage show analyze the guitar and drum you know kind of just and i like standing by the soundboard because that's i want to hear whatever the sound guy's mixing because it's going to sound better right where he is because that's the point. That's the focal point. That's how he's mixing everything. Bingo. Well, time see, me, see me back there and people just look at me because, you know, what kind of show I put on. And they just think I'm this, like, maniac all the time. And I'm like, no, I want to come out, drink beer, soak in the music, you know, be a little buzzed and, and chill. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just the guy in the back of the room, you know, those – those memes and those, uh, yeah. you know, all those things, the guy with his arms crossed in the back, just like that. Well, those guys is the people I kind of play to. Like, I want to get their attention because, you know, the rest of them will appreciate it. But, like, those are the ones that, like, you can oppress the guys in the back of the room that's just soaking in the music. If you can get them, you can probably get the rest of the crowd. Oh, 100%. A 100%. So, like, let's go back to to talking about Florida just a little bit. Uh, for those that don't know, like you said, in in the like '90s, I'd say like from the early to the mid to the even in the late '90s, Florida was full of some of the heaviest, heaviest metal. Like, oh yeah, it's it was weird because I didn't realize that was a thing until like maybe ten years ago, <laughs> and which I'm I'm 20 years late on it, you know, by that point in time, but. How did you, uh, you were talking to me before this about how you kind of, uh, there's like, you know, that was during the pop punkish era when you kind of started playing music, going down there and playing yep. stuff. Uh, how did you kind of like decide metal was where it was at? Cause I gotta be honest, I was super into pop punk growing up and that's where I started. <laughs> so I never was a pop punk fan, but 
I was an Op Ivy fan. Oh, know? yeah. Um, Hellcat Records, you know. So my first band was actually a punk band, uh, even though I didn't know how to tune my bass because we didn't have YouTube then or whatever, and I was poor. So it's like I try to learn everything by ear. So like the first six months was I had my fucking bass strung upside down, you know, like, <laughs> so until I ran into this guy, he's like, Hey, I'm, I want to do this band. And then I'm like, okay, I know how to play bass. He's like, you do. I'm like, sure. And you know, uh, so I started playing, taught me how to tune. And I just kind of, you know, just all my friends were into like the Hellcat records and old school up Ivy. And then they were getting into, uh, Goldfinger and and shit like that and uh that's the golden era of like what people the pop punk that's where it started and that was the best stuff was like that era yeah i I enjoy a a lot of that stuff but then i don't know i just always had metal in my life like we were talking earlier and uh i got scouted basically by like what was i fucking 16 years old by these because we lived in kings bay georgia Right above Jacksonville, Florida, it was a naval base. That was most of the stuff, but you have the outlier areas. And these are the guys that were into, like, Cannibal Corpse and <laughs> Sludge, well, like, you know, Sludge Metal, Incantation. And they needed a bass player, and they're like, hey, you want to join our band? And I was like, is it metal? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I want to play metal. <laughs> so but I'm in the band with, like, these 23-year-olds, and I'm fucking 15. That's awesome. So, like learning chops and they just fed me cannibal corpse. Like there's a, uh, there's VHS tapes. They're like playing me shit. And I was watching the cannibal corpse bass player. And there's a break where he's just like, all him. And I was like, I want to know how to do that. Ah, I actually had to get that tape three times. Cause that section got wore out. Cause I was trying to learn his technique. Oh, but, <laughs> that's old they, school. And that's just how I ran off, man. I started doing that. And then, you know, my first band, uh, it was right before the new metal wave. We ha- I had a band called uh, Colobos. Okay. I think. Was it Colobos? Or we had a different name. I don't think we officially had a name. But we did like a four-song EP out of Hole of the Pigeon in Jacksonville, which is the full note because that guy ended up starting A1 Studios. And so it's weird knowing this guy's produced three of my records. Hmm. The Transpose and my first demo, but he's did Paul Abdul albums, Lint Biscuit albums, you know, like you have this world renowned guy that's fucking around with my ass. <laughs> like like weird, like starting with him when he just started and then circa 10 years later and I'm recording Transpose albums and a lot of his clients were Virgin Record clients. So that's crazy. Hey, I, 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 it never yeah. it, it never clicked until you said Limp Biscuit. Yeah, they're from Jacksonville. So yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, Limp Biscuit, and then you got uh, Shine Down, uh, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, which I was on Transpose first album Retribution. That's kind of how that happened because they were on a like a small label. I can't remember the sound of the studio. That's before A One. Same guy, Paul's the producer in that that studio too, and uh, whoever owned it, I wish I can remember the studio name. Got uh, Red Jumpsuit basically a deal where hey, record a demo for us, blah blah, blah we'll do all the work, and he's the one that got him their like thirteen million dollar contract. Oh my gosh! 
And he's trying to push us at the same time, but he doesn't know how to push us because if you listen to the Transpose albums, it's like that was way before, you know, it's time, I guess, musically a lot of blending, I guess. And so we got the offer like, hey, do a demo, but we want to keep all the rights. And we looked at him like, no, because you're doing such a horrible job trying to figure us out anyways. We'll still use your studio. You gave us a discount, and that's and we paid for that thirteen song album out of our own pocket. So, Whew. yeah, that's a tough one too. Especially like that's something that a lot of us. I don't know if we would know what to do in this situation. Where like I think a lot of us, if we were presented with a like, hey, here's the deal I'm giving you, and it might not be the best deal. Some of us might just be like, yeah, whatever, sign it away or whatever. You yeah. know, uh, kudos to you for sticking to your guns though, because like you got to kind of know that like if you're just gonna give. You know, you're making art and you're basically just like giving it away to someone else. And it's like, well, if they sell it, they get it, you know, and I'm just like beholden to a contract to do what they tell me to, you know. So well, then, then another thing was they were already like, hey, we want to try to do the image thing and stuff. Because, you know, remember Red Jumpsuit when they came out, they had a full image that was developed right when they hit. And which a lot of bands now are doing that. They have this full image that they're bringing out. But back then it was kind of like that turn from where everybody would do the glam rock and dress up to versus the grunge era versus mm -hmm. death metal era. Like, you know, where it's like kind of got back and just come and look however you do on the street back to, all right, we're going to start doing these product, you know, these product, build a product and release it. So, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm on the fence one way or the other. I totally get it when a band looks like that, you know, professional look. Like they're like, oh, you guys all have to, gotta have the the hair covering one eye, and you know, everyone's gotta look sad. We gotta wear blacks, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever band it is. But uh, like you said, I I miss those era of like just come in dressed in whatever you got on the street and just walk in, you know, jeans and a ripped up shirt and just play the guitar and leave. You know, like those were the days. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, everyone everyone in the crowd looked exactly like everyone on stage. Yeah. I love it too, but you're also talking to the guy that paints up too. So yeah, I mean it's it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Like I said, um, Kiss wouldn't be Kiss if they didn't put the makeup on first. You yep. know, if if you didn't have the look first, a lot of these bands wouldn't be who they are. I mean, you can argue one way or the other for some of that. Like not painting up or dressing up or anything. You know, most transposed. Nope. Main thing I would do is. I'd pick a, a set of clothes that were stage clothes, and that was it. Like, it was the same set of clothes until they got screwed up, and then I'd do a different set of clothes. But, like, it was it was nothing like a uniform, but it was, like, it was normal. It was, like, these are my plain shorts, this is my plain shirt. Oh, yeah. That's it. You know, you know but it just, when I moved here, like, I was always a big fan of Guar, like, a huge fan of Guar, and that shock rock and, you know, avant-garde stuff, you know, and... So when I got here and the first band I joined was Apathy, which was like they were just hitting their, their prime stride. Like, I think I came in, they need a bass player, and they were getting ready to play Mushroom Head in the week. Didn't have my own bass. Didn't have my own amp anymore. Like, because I gave up on music. Like, I was like, I, when I moved here, I was like, I'm done. I'm out of it. I moved here to take care of my mom. She got sick. So... That full two years of taking her, she passed away. I didn't play. I didn't do nothing. I just took care of her and worked. And then on her, when she was passing away, she's like, Tim, you need to start playing. Like, you're miserable. 
you've always been a musician. She's like, and you know, she's always been my biggest supporter. She's like, when this is done, you need to start playing again. And uh, I think about a week and a half, two weeks later, she had a stroke, a stroke, and finally passed away. And and then you know, I was like, well, my biggest supporter, you know, was just laying there and says I should play, you know, and I kind of give up playing for her and now she's kind of not here. So maybe I should start playing again. And then I think like two weeks later, I ended up in apathy syndrome. Oh, wow. And I came in, tried out on some other base, base rig, somebody else's base. And they're like, you got the job. I'm like, Oh shit. And then I think a day later, they're like, you're playing the mushroom head show. I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, Cool. Okay. <laughs> Open it up for it's Mushroom cold. Head. Like, <laughs> all right. Yep. I called in a couple favors because, uh, uh, you know, my sister and her kids are here. And because uh, Uncle Timmy played bass when their kids wanted to play bass. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so there, I went and ganked, ganked their bass guitar and went and bought a cheap amp and was on stage. And I couldn't even afford a mask because they wore masks. Mm -hmm. Like, at the time, like, I literally was so broke, I couldn't even afford a mask. Oh, wow. Like, I went and I actually went and got a fake, like, this crappy, weird mask because I didn't understand their concept or whatever. I didn't know what they wore. And I'm sitting there with this, like, this just janky pulled over mask where they had these elaborate masks. And it was a good time, though. But yeah, I hit apathy and then was like, oh, I get to dress up and develop characters, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it was really awesome being able to, you know, put on a mask and, kind of a little bit more of a uniform and to bring a character to life. And I really like that concept also. So I like just going to be over there with no get up or whatever, but also the character aspect really just intrigues me. Like I can just like get my uniform, like now religion paint up and just kind of get lost. Like it's just, it's kind of like getting stage ready, you know, mm -hmm. or, flipping the switch for me like now just putting on that uniform and get a little bit of paint on it just helps me i don't know i've always been in touch just to go that extra switch where i can separate myself a little bit more than from my normal self yeah just, yeah i mean it's, it's almost like taking the audio art and you're adding like visual art to it you know or stage performance a little bit to it you know by like you said creating this character and it's it's kind of nice I bet, because I, I bet you can almost, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, hide out in a crowd that way, you know? Like, because it's just, like, I, it's, it's easy to notice you're the guy on stage playing bass guitar instead of, you know, someone's not just going to walk up to you and be like, oh, Tim, how you doing? You know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, do you, do, do you have a, I guess, like, you, you don't, but, like, have you ever been in a band where you gave each other, like, names or something like that as your character or something? Uh... Well, Apsy, they all had nicknames and stuff, I guess, really. Nice. Uh, nice. How, did, but, how did how did you end up hooking up with them, actually? Did we did we talk about that? Because I know you said you kind of got a hold of them, and within two weeks you were well, kind of in the so band. We, we had a friend, and, like, I had one friend, and she was her, their merch girl. Her name's Jen, Jen Thacker. And we crossed paths, talked a couple of times or whatever. And then it was just really just kind of like, kind of what happened yesterday. I play bass. Oh, I know somebody with a bass player that needs a bass player. Got an opening two days later. I'm there practicing. And then like a week later, I'm opening up for mushroom head in Des Moines. Nobody knows who the hell I am or my background or anything. They're just like, <laughs> Oh, this guy 
play, you know, and then that's just how I started my career in Des Moines. That is wild. It's perfect happenstance. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because I get all these weird opportunities, but like, you know, some stuff just kind of always crumbles too. like, you know, like when I was in uh, Jacksonville, you know, transpose, we signed two record contracts that went null and void, you know, because of other men. There's a lot of people back in the day, it's all or nothing. Yeah. You know, all the members have to be on board because this is what we want. We don't want to rework it. So if one member bails, then bye-bye. So that's kind of what happened the first time. Uh, the second time, we actually won a deal from doing like this Project Independent Battle of the Bands. And uh, my vocalist at the time didn't tell me he was moving to Japan. So we won. We were going to get a, like free gear, a bus, you know, a, 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 one, one uh, CD deal. And then he's like, sorry to tell you, I'm moving to Japan. I can't do nothing about it. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Yeah. So, so it's like I've always been knocking on that door. But then again, I'm not even upset about it because I have so many stories. Like, you know, I grew up, I used to play on the uh, same concrete as Yellow Card before they went to California. Okay. Like, we used to do EYI shows, like at Still Board Sports. Oh, you know, cool. we would set them up in Brunswick, Georgia, Kingsland, Georgia, which is Kings Bay, Georgia, Jacksonville. So we'd all just kind of do our own DIY in front of board sports shows. So that's freaking so, awesome. What do you, what do you think the biggest culture shock when you first got up to Des Moines was when you first started playing music up here, like compared to down in Florida, what was the biggest difference uh, compared to there? There wasn't, <laughs> it's, it, it really isn't. I mean, this is more, I got to think Des Moines at the time was more metal focused, mm-hmm. but you know, you got to think of the pride of the 515, you know, because me being born here and I was on the coast when I got a leaked demo, you know, or a copy demo of Slipknot, I was proud. Even though I haven't been home in 10 years, you know, or, or whatever. I'm like, hell yeah, that's Iowa, you know, mm-hmm. being proud. So it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't, what's the word? It didn't surprise me when I moved here and seen how thick the metal scene was at all. Like it was, but now back then though, the difference between eight, 10 years ago versus now it's back then it felt like there was a lot of gatekeepers and you had to be, you know, kind of let in or be exclusive crowd or and then now it seems like it's way more open. Like it doesn't matter if you're jump metal or Southern metal or light rock or, Everybody seems to get along now and support each other. And everybody goes to each other's shows, you know, which versus when I first got into doing it, it felt like a lot of high school stuff, you know? Like, oh, they do that or this or that. And I'm a fan of clapping on people on the up constantly, you know, and supporting everybody. So I never really got the fact like, oh, they're doing this. So I'm like, no, good. Good they're doing that. Like when Green Death started breaking out, that actually helped hours of decay because it put light on us. Mm-hmm. So instead of being mad, they were doing good. I'm like, hell yeah, let them do good. Like, I don't mind if I get some of their trickle down metal heads, like good. Somebody's doing something, you know, I'm just proud of anybody shooting for something. And 
And I think nowadays in this era, I think a lot of us are, are actually generally happy for each other and what we're doing. Like, I'm not getting this hint of, you know, uh, jealousy anymore like it used to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I've played music. Okay. So I'm, I'm just barely a few years younger than you. Um, graduated in 06. Uh, I think you said 02 for you, something like that. Yeah, good memory. Uh, cool. It's wor- it's working better than I thought. <laughs> Keep people how old I am. Uh, <laughs> well, well, me too. But but still, it's one of those things where like I didn't play music a lot in the Des Moines scene because, oh, a everyone was so freaking talented 10, 15 years ago down there. I mean, it was it's packed, you know. And then it was just also like I don't know if I fit in down here. I don't have the chops. And even if I did, I don't know if they you know let me in. I don't know who to join a band with or who to talk to or anything but you know a few of a few of my buddies bands ended up you know going down there playing doing pretty good and stuff but it is like you said it was a little bit more difficult to get on you know the bigger shows and a little bit more difficult to kind of gather the attention of the scene even though it sounds weird but I feel like there was a bigger fan base back then like there were more people that were at every show like every night it was just kind of like everyone was like we're all going to the muse tonight right and it's like yeah yeah you know, there was like 50 people at the House of Bricks because that's just where everybody went, you know, and I like that. I miss that. It, there still is some of that to an extent, but it's uh, it's a little less. I, I feel nowadays like people just don't have that that hangout music spot. We have the music spots, but it's not like the hangout like it used to be. Like, you know, like you said, the House of Bricks, you ain't given time, you go in there. There's something going on, and there's a crowd of people because that's just what they did. They went and hung out, and I really think actually that's that's actually a good point. A lot of people nowadays just don't go and hang out in gatherings anymore. It's always split, or so exactly. So yeah, but uh, so back to Jacksonville. The big difference was Jacksonville was a lot more cutthroat than Des Moines was ten years ago. Actually, Ooh. super cut. Bad cutthroat. Even if you made it, bad cutthroat. Like, I remember playing this place called the French Quarter, and Red Jeff, Super Brass guitarist, and uh, Shinedown's guitarist started a side project. And so they came in and bumped me off my own headline show. Because <laughs> those were those guys. I'm like, I'm like, did you really have to do that? You guys got these multi million dollar contracts. I'm the one that just packed this place. And then you guys are coming and doing that. Like that's just the epitome of Jacksonville though. So in that era I grew up, there was a couple bands that didn't really have egos that we got along with like new day fed up. So we actually always just travel in packs because we knew like we had each other's backs and we're not going to cut each other's throats. And you know, cause there'd be a lot of screwed up things going on. But Jacksonville got a revive because a lot of people from Boston and other areas in that, that early 2000 era, 2005, to that, Jacksonville just got a huge infusion of music. So that's how I got in Transpose is the singer and guitarist came down from Boston because it was too crowded up there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, too many bands. And then they came down and spotted me and my drummer from Ashes of Osiris and was like, yo, this is what we're doing. And that's how that band started. But just guys come you come down traveling to the Jacksonville scene. But yeah, Jacksonville was pretty cutthroat. It was, it was, yeah. So when you found people you got along with in other bands, you kind of just, all right, we're family now, you know? 
So you kind of just do these little groups. Yep. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. You're talking about like you know established musicians almost like coming in and just being like, I'm the headliner now because they can walk into the venue and everyone's going to be like, oh wow, so and so's here or whatever. Yep. It, it's exactly. not it's not a whole lot different than the comedian scene. Like you go out you know onto the West Coast where the comedians are at, and it's just like. Well, Dave Chappelle walked in the door. Guess what? He's headlining now. He's just going to walk up on stage. Like, did you have 15 minutes scheduled? <laughs> too bad. Not only is your 15 minutes gone, but the next five peoples are gone too because he's going to go an hour and a half, you know, or whatever. And it's It was an awful night because we had to go up after them. But then, oh. of course, when they're done, when they're done, they want to go out in the crowd and hang. So, of course, like, Yep. Hometown heroes just came and did this exclusive set. Who cares who the headliner is, you know? Yeah. Yep. Even though most of those people came to see us at the same time, it's like, I get it. They don't want to see us now. You got these guys on MTV and touring, and also they just pop up, you know? Yeah. My attention towards them a little bit, too. I can see the point of it, but, but I'm like, man, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, I understand. Dude, it's the equivalent of, like, you're pretty much just like, I'm going to make a giant meal for everyone. Show up. And then they showed up, and someone's just like, here's some pizza. And they, like, they just, like, brought pizza over and fed it to them before your meal was done. And you were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's I, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I'd eat the pizza, too. It's, it's good pizza. But still, it's like, ah, you came here for the meal, man. You got to gotta enjoy the meal. <laughs> That's a good analogy. I like that. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> so it's kind of cool that you, you ended up, like, just kind of running up to Iowa, just kind of running into some people that you are talking to some people you already knew. And they were just kind of like, Hey, so I know somebody that's looking for, you know, a bassist and it just kind of in you go into apathy syndrome into hours of decay. How many albums did you end up doing with apathy syndrome? I think I saw two online. Um, there was a demo. I think I'm still on the second album. I mean, their actual album album. I didn't do the bass parts, but I helped write a little bit of stuff on there. Okay. Like, you know, because we kind of split our own ways. Actually, I got fired. <laughs> so I'm the old grunt that's been in the music scene forever. And and at the time, they're all, you know, way younger than me. And then, like, they kind of approached stuff completely different than I did, which I didn't understand. So I was always devil's advocate. So, Ooh, you know, yeah. So I know how that can get old and stuff. So basically my ability got me in, but the way I am got me out, <laughs> like, you know, and I don't, and I don't even have any feelings, man. I get along with all like Zach's playing drums for all things lost. AJ's DJing for safe space. We all still talk. We get along. You know, that was years ago, but it's like still at the same time. It's like some personalities just yep. don't well. And then especially when I feel I always have to take the leader role. Like, that's just me. That's my personality. And that's hard when you have a band with that many people where everybody wants it. So you're, somebody's always going to piss off other people. And yeah. that was me. <laughs> well, you know? But you, I've grown a lot. And, like, you know, I'm very abrasive. And I just kind of speak what comes to mind. And I kind of can see how that would piss people off. Like, I'm not naive about how I am. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's... You also do need that devil's advocate, you know, in a band, especially if you're tr if you have a goal that you're trying to achieve. You kind of do want somebody to be like, if, if somebody's like, "This is the direction we should go," you kind of want somebody to be like, "What about this, this, and this?" You know, or you know, just to kind of like test the waters to see what the best option is, you know. But you also kind of have to be on the same page as everyone, as as in like, are we all going 
the same direction to the same destination too because i mean i've been in bands where it's like i want to i want to make this like as official as possible i want to make you know websites and t-shirts and the whole nine yards and some you know sometimes the band was just like we just want to play music we really don't want to do any of that stuff and it's like well all all right you know and then uh, it's up you know then it's like well do i want to stay here And it's like you know that's it's up to me now because it's everyone else decided that's the direction they want to go with it. And I I think that's, you know, good and bad, you know, and, and bands breaking up or people getting, you know, fired or quote unquote, whatever the terms anyone wants to use. But like when bands break up, it's, it's not an easy thing because it's regardless of what you're trying to achieve. It's, it's four, three, four, five, six people or whatever that relationship with them. And you're not only in a relationship with them, you're in relationship with their families too. Yeah. And like it's not it's not just the band. I think a lot of people confuse that. You're not just in the band with the guitarist. You're in the band with that guitarist, his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. It's not just at face, that's it. So you really become like a close knit family. And then so anytime something happens it's upset, somebody leaves or gets let go, it's never an easy decision. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to describe it with people, but it's like, imagine, imagine you're like, you're trying to have like a business with like three or four of your best friends, but it's, it's literally almost like a relationship, but nobody gets to have sex and you're not physically attracted to one another. And that's yep. a, that's a band. It's like, it's just a whole pile of awkward while you're trying to make music is all it is. I'm like, oh, yep. It's like, like you're all a bunch of 70 year olds because you're in a relationship, but there's no way you're banging each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I just, the band thing is just, it's so tough. There's people that have like never been in them that are just like, I don't get why bands would break up, you know? And I mean, to an extent, I kind of understand it, but I've been in bands that have broken up and it's sad. It's a sad deal, but it's just, it's unfortunate, but it's just the way it goes. It's all about, you know, communication too. And oh, it's so big. It's so big. Watch, and watch what you say sometimes or whatever, but pick your battles. You know, yeah, but, you know, like, I also think it's part of the thing where you guys have to get along and, you know, everybody's not everybody's cup of tea, you know. Sometimes people just act the way they are, and that's just the way they are, and sometimes that don't get along with other people. Yeah. Which, normally, I'm the one that's the weird one that <laughs> no really likes to get along with because <laughs> it's fucking weird, but, you know, so I blame anybody you know like for real uh i'm blessed delusion because you know once i start writing and i have ideas there's not there's no stopping it's like all right i got this keyboard idea and then i was like you know you're playing keyboards this is right here in my head do whatever you want to do and then it's like all right this is the guitar idea i have i'm not the guitarist but this is right here in my head if you want to do something different that's cool this is what i'm hearing on drum you know like it's i just have to get it all out and then it's like all right, let's figure it out. But a lot of times people think that might step on people's toes or whatever. I'm like, no, these are just my ideas. Other than that, I don't give a shit what you do, but this is why I hear in my head. I just got to get it across. And that's when somebody kind of comes in full force like that, it's, it can be, you know, people take it weird, but at least Wade and well, Nolan left us, but our new guitars, they get it. Wade does the same shit to me. He'll come in. He's like, I absolutely can't play guitar, but this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm hearing on bass. Here's the drum thing, and it'll play like five minutes of drums. He's like, all right, what you got for that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know I, I think a lot of people infuse, confuse enthusiasm with abrasiveness. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. 
That's so, a really good point. So when people kind of like, oh, you're being like overpowered, and they're like, no, I'm just excited. Like, I'm just excited at the idea, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I just, sorry if it's coming off aggressive, but that's how <laughs> that's how passionate I am about it, you know? So. I think it's a good way to build a song, though, too, if you're just like, I've kind of got this basic shell of what my part might sound like, and I think yours might go something like this, but uh, have at it, you know? And like... I, I don't mind that. That's kind of what John does in Three Finger Betty. He's like, here's the riffs I'm playing. Play whatever you want, you know? I just kind of want the song to go like this. And it's like, all right, A to B, you know? And uh, when we have something down, we sit down and analyze it. And it's like, let's change this part and that part and this part. And wham, we got a song, you know? And uh, I enjoy that aspect of being in a band. I'm not the best songwriter. I can come up with licks here and there and stuff. But I have a hard time, like, combining them into, like, a full actual song. So I, I enjoy it when somebody comes to me. We're going back to the food re- thing. I enjoy it when somebody comes to me with a recipe and I just get to add my own special spices, you know? I like that. You I mean, just got to put a little cheese right there. Yeah, I get to be that dude with the, I get to be the, dude with the glasses yeah. where he's dripping the salt off his yeah. elbow or whatever. Oh, that look good. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so we're, we're going right back down here because we're getting close. We're actually almost to an hour, but... Elision, dude. Elision was like the only band I couldn't find anything for online. And before this podcast, we we were talking. You said you're recording stuff with Elision right now. Yep, we are. That is stellar. It, it's a it's a must happen. I will say that first and foremost. We've uh we've had the music part done. Yeah, you've been playing a while. But we we've had the music tracked for a while. And we actually just finished up vocals before a Davenport show, and then we switched singers. So we finished up everything, and then we switched singers. And it was like, well, we're not going to put that stuff out with the old singer, because that's not who we are anymore. Mm-hmm. So stripped all the vocal tracks, and now we're trying to just finish up the vocals, basically. Oh, yeah. So the only time you can hear... We have Cannibal Jesus out on 1077 Gator. It streams on there. Stream station out of Florida. Cool. Uh, they actually helped us put a, a single together because we, I got a message like 830 in the morning. Seth from 107 suggests us being on this radio station with them. They're like, yo, you want to be on, you know, interview tomorrow? Yeah, of course. Awesome. And I was like, Seth recommended this? Of course. Yeah, man, that's great. Thanks. Thanks. And then, uh, so you guys got a single. And we're like, well, yeah, the music part. It's like, well, kind of one of the deals is we got, you got to have a single, like, to release. That's kind of our format. So this guy was gracious enough. We sent Mixing Genius Guru. Like, I called him, yeah, he's just a wizard. We sent him the tracks. And then... We had some live audio that he tried to mesh, which didn't work. But then we forgot because Sam lives three hours away. So we would do rough demos from our house and send them to her. And then she would track them, you know, and send them back to us and see how, uh, you know, what we thought, any adjustments. And just so happened she had a very isolated, clean track to that exact instrumental we sent them. So she sent that off, and then, oh, my God, we had a single out in, like, 24 hours. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. It came out really good. And it was like, holy shit. But <laughs> so 
Yeah, it's just getting us back in with uh, – we've been recording with Jeff Stone, and right now he's recording Traffic Death. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason we haven't made it back in there with him right now because Sam lives in Kansas, so basically she has to come down on the weekend. and So Traffic Death, hurry up. Let me get back <laughs> Do good, but be faster. <laughs> uh, Jeff Stone does good work, I'll tell you that. I, uh, I did a – recorded the majority of a demo – uh with a band with jeff stone that uh it just we we never got it finished unfortunately but uh he ended up giving us uh like some rough mixes and some like mix downs and things like that freaking sounded awesome so yeah he knows what he's doing over there that's for sure we've been fortunate too because one jeff kind of gave us a set price and then we came in and we knew our stuff but then again we didn't you know like we knew our stuff but he gave us the ability to actually give us time to be like, listen back and be like, mm, you know, which is and just something, which is hard when you're in a room together and sounds are blending. So he actually lets come in there and be able to play a little bit, you know, and then give us a little bit of opinion or, or like, what do you think about this spot a little bit? Or, you know, like he was really good at work with us and I wanted to work with him because he bass player for them all. And, you know, I look, there's, he's a great bass player. And I was like, if anybody can capture what I'm trying to go for on bass, it'll be him. Mm-hmm. And that was another reason to him, Jeff, just because I thought he got the musical concept. His mall was so off the wall. And, you know, they did these changes, which we do a lot, but they're very contained. You know, like you have to be paying attention to hear like the little changes and the little riff movements on the overlay and basic rhythm, you know, like it's one of those concepts. So I was like, Jeff would be the man to, to do us. And that's how we end up picking them. And it's been great. It's just the fact we got, we had the issue with Steven and then we got Sam. And then we had like six shows we had to finish with Sam. Like she had two weeks to get ready and just came in and just finished off our schedule. And then now we're in like a break where I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I want to play. But so we're, we were like, Oh, finished studio we've been working on a full new merch lineup for all next year for every season like we're, we're doing the behind the scenes work now kind of podcasting you know mm-hmm. radio news i do the social media stuff mm-hmm. which is tiresome but i learned years ago you gotta keep up with the tech because i come from the myspace days before facebook hit and got big and i remember transpose didn't do the switch to facebook and it about murdered us so then i've just kind of i got got to keep up on the trends unfortunately if you want to be heard yeah it's a thing i learned hard way so yep so everybody snag your tiktoks get out there and snag your tiktok (laughs) handles you're you're already too late but you better be on there (laughs) yep well i wonder what the next best big thing is going to be i don't know. know There's a handful of new social medias popping up. Everyone's hopping on, but I don't know. I I can't keep track. I don't know if I have energy for it anymore. It's Um, it's a lot. It is a lot. It's a very daunting task, and I'm very thankful that uh, with most of the other bands that I've ever been in, I was not in charge of the social media. I mean, I I was to an extent, but like, you know, when it was like, hey, I don't know if I want to post every week anymore on this and somebody else will do it and it's like thank thank you i appreciate it so much because i need the break or whatever but oh yeah it's it's split up between us and, and the lesion so nice everybody 
takes their little corner that they like, and then one of some of us will chime in once in a while. Ah, cool. Actions, you know, like Sam pretty much does the Instagram, but once in a while, Wade and I will be like, "Here we are," and then we're back, you know. Yeah. You know, Wade Wade kind of does a lot of the TikTok because he's sneaky, and <laughs> nobody knows he's doing. But but then Sam will like do this elaborate videos that gets put on there, you know. And I mainly handle the Facebook and the Twitter, and you know, it's it, it's it's a lot though. It's like I now understand like why people have. Social media managers. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because it's like literally, it takes away. If you're doing that, it's taking away time of you practicing or playing or writing. Yeah, or working your day job or anything. Like literally, yeah. it takes away time away from your family. You know, you're in a band. Yeah. It's not just that you have to spend thirty minutes to an hour, you know, a day or whatever on on social media to, to thumbs up a bunch of stuff. You know, at, at least. But you know, it kind of takes away from the craft, like. You know, like if I was spending an hour on this, that's an hour I can't be playing. Yeah. It's an, like an hour worth of writing. Yep. Because I'm not the greatest musician ever. I've always had to work hard to be good. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I was, what's his name? Josh. Dude walked up to me. He's like, Tim, you're such a great bass player. And like, you know, he's he writes and plays. And I'm like, dude, that's just hard work. He's like, I couldn't tell him. Like, no, it's all hard work. Like, I don't have the greatest ear. I don't have the greatest memory. It's just practice. It's passion. I just play and play and play. So by the time I play on stage, I literally don't have to think about what I'm playing. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, fleshing out ideas when I write something, I don't know all the notes right off the hand. Like you know, somebody like there's just people that can watch somebody play something and be like, I got it every damn time. I know every no, that's not me. <laughs> like I have to put in the work. Like I literally do. Like. I, I tell people like some bass players ask me like, "Well, what's uh, what's your best advice you can ever give me?" And I'm like, "Practice, practice." Yeah. What about for stage show? Practice. Yeah. Like pra- what you mean? Like the more you practice, don't have to think about more of a stage show you can have. Yeah. Like you make it where it's muscle memory, but I have to do it just because I don't have that ear. You know, I may have the hand movements, but I have to drill it over and over and over again. Like I, I, I make a playing like because we practice probably six hours a week like a three hour in a two or four in a two or you know but on top of that i'm also practicing another six to seven eight hours on top of that by myself and that doesn't include analyzing three videos that were recorded of our practices or or listening to rough recordings picking it apart seeing what else i can do you know driving around to work you know so i spend endless amounts of time just working at it so, yeah, man. I, I don't know why, because I'm stupid. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not stupid though. Like I, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not the best musician. I'm, I'm certainly not the best songwriter. I'll go for that. But like, it's a lot of hard work. I, not that anyone else didn't have to work hard to get to where they're at. But yeah, I feel like mine was an uphill climb the entire way, and it's still an uphill climb. Like I'm scratching and, and clawing for every BPM faster I can get and every extra note I can toss in there, you know, like, no, I mean, hard work does pay off though. It does. I mean, mean, look at you, look at you, man. It does. But I mean, I appreciate those people that can like David, our new guitarist. First time he came and played, he was trying out for us. He played basically two of our songs all the way through. And I'm like, how long did you like, 
practiced that. He's like, I listened to it for about an hour and a half yesterday, and I was like, I fucking hate you, dude. But, <laughs> like, I'm glad like, you're here, but. Yeah, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> You want the job? That's literally how it goes. I fucking hate you. Fuck you. You want the job? You're like, hired. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. That's so fun. Oh my so, gosh. So, do you have like a time frame, maybe, that you know this uh, Illusion album will like possibly come out, or it's still just kind of waiting? Hard for February. Literally, all we have to get back in and do is Sam's vocals, and she's such a professional. She probably only has it all laid out and she won't make changes. And then I'll come in and redo my backing vocals. Because, you know, with Steven, a lot of layers, a lot of ab libs in there. You know, I, I carry a lot. I do a lot vocally. But when you bring something in like Sam that has a complete different tone and has this four octave range, and <sighs> it makes me rethink my parts. So now I'm like, I'm back to the drawing board of what layers should work where or how this should go here now. Cause you know, you gotta think we set for a year and a half things one way and then we switch up the vocalists and then now it's different, you know? So it's like the music ain't changing, but the vocal parts are. So she'll probably go in and knock her shit out pretty good. And then I'll be going in layering my stuff and you know, hopefully uh, Jeff won't murder me because <laughs> because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of what do you think and then Vinci's going to be like man I don't give a it's your <laughs> shit what do you think sounds great Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he so is inqui- he is inquisitive February. though but yeah we're shooting for February that that was kind of our goal we were hoping to have a single out by Christmas Cannibal Jesus like an official sing- single but just us getting back in the studio because you know traffic does recordings put that off a little bit so so we're shooting for February so hopefully we'll hit it around then. <laughs> like that's, that's our goal. Nice. So. Well, I'll tell you what, if anyone wants to keep up on that, uh, the social media links will be down below for Elision. So click on them all, click follow, click like, subscribe, share, let everybody know new music's coming out. So big thing happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the vague social media post, uh, big things on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything we didn't talk about? I think I got most of the high points that I had written down. I don't know, man. I could talk forever, dude. I have <laughs> on stories, you know. Like, I've been around the block, man. And I, you know, I had a question once where somebody's like, I just want to make it. And then I asked them, what's making it to you? Like, what's making it to you? Where's, where's your line in the sand? And they're like, when do you think you've made it? And I was like, when I inspire other people. Ooh. And they're like, so have you did your job? I was like, I feel I do my job all the time still. So like people still like, yo, you inspired me to do this or that. And that's all I hope for. You know, of course I always wanted the goal of my music to take care of myself, not make a lot of money, but that's all I could focus on is music. But you know, that don't always happen. Yeah. So now with religion, our goal is just band takes care of band. We're not putting money in. If we make money, cool. If not, as long as we're not going in debt, that's all I care about. So yeah. Oh, just to play, inspire, hopefully. 
That's I love it. That's that's some words to live by and for everyone to think about uh, on the way out of this this podcast today. That's drop some knowledge. Nobody. I love it, dude. I love it. It's been a great one. Um, I do have to say thank you for jumping on the podcast. Uh, make sure once again, everybody go down below, click those links. Uh, Tim, thank you for taking time out of your day. Don't go away. Um, I'm just going to end the recordings, but no, thank you for having me. Like who thought last night I've been doing a podcast today. No kid. No kid. It's that easy. Everybody. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll be right back, but thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yep. Was that fun or was that fun? Man, I, I, it felt like I cut this one off almost too early. I did have, uh, I, it's weird. The accordion schedule. I had some stuff to do after that, after the interview, so I had to scoot real quick. But uh, this was a fun one, and I can't wait to have Tim back on. What a great guest. Tons of fun stories. Uh, he's, he provides a nice outlook into the scene as well. You know, it's, it's, it's the positivity with the little bit of... Uh, uh, reserveness. It's the devil's advocate, but in a positive way. It's it's both sides of the coin that you need, and he's got them both, I think. Uh, like I said, it was so much fun sitting down talking with him. He's uh, got a cool band out there. I got to tell you what, you have to check it out. I've seen them live, Elision. I've played with them, not in the band, but I've played a show where they were also on the bill. Tons of fun. Got to go check it out live. Like you said, it's a mishmash of everything. It's it's so much fun to go watch. It's just a blend of probably your favorite types of music. So if you like rock and metal and, and little bits of pretty much anything else, they throw it in there. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. You got to go check it out. There's links down below. Do not miss out. They have an album that is uh, set to be coming out in 2023 in the early months. So the social medias for them is the best place to find the information uh, for everything that is Elision. Uh there's also, we, we had talked about the band's uh, Apathy apathy Syndrome and Hours of Decay. There are social medias and things like that out there for those bands as well, as well as uh, places you can go online to listen to the music and things like that. Uh, so if you guys are interested in going and checking out some of his past music before you go check out some of his new music coming out, go go back and check some of those out. That's It's tons of fun. I We talked about it in the episode. It's You could tell that he likes to kind of throw a little bit of something in there you know every every now and then even with you know apathy syndrome and hours of decay you could tell there was little bits of 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 his influence there you could tell there's just something in there uh there were some songs where we were talking in this interview where there's there's bass parts in the songs where the bassist kind of goes you know like all by himself in in some of the songs it's like that's cool there's a uh, little bits of those in a couple songs here and there too as well uh talented people in all the bands it's it's tons of fun to sit down and listen to that stuff and and just know that the metal scene is still going you know in in whatever capacity it is uh the des moines metal scene is has like thinned out but it is has it's had a resurgence since covid there's a lot of bands popping back up a lot of bands coming back out of the woodworks and playing and uh elision's one of those bands playing on those shows like i said uh, it fits the mold for a lot of different styles of music, and it's really, really fun. So if you guys are uh, into go seeing live music, I highly suggest going to make Elision one of the bands you go see. So check out the links down below. See if you can find them coming up live. They are working uh, in the studio to get that new album coming out in 2023. So uh, otherwise, I got to say one, once again, thanks to Tim for joining me, taking time out of his day. Uh, I put out some feelers online for some guests and uh, he was the first one to respond and he was like let's do it tomorrow and whammo we got it done 
Uh, it's been tough getting guests in here. I've had a lot, a lot of scheduling conflicts one way or the other, uh, whether or not I, you know, I can't make it or someone else can't make it or, or, or whatnot. It's, uh, it's been real rough lately. So if you guys, uh, have free time during my weird windows of free time and you want to record a podcast, uh, hit me up. If you play music or an artist or an entertainer or something like that, Iowa based preferably. And if not, uh, try to convince me, I guess, uh, I've, I've had very, very few people outside of Iowa sneak into the podcast, and uh, I'm very thankful for the ones that have. But uh, I've tried to keep this Iowa-based. Uh, I'm debating whether or not to open the floor to anything that's like even remotely close to something that could be considered an art. I almost want to just start interviewing people about things that I'm interested in that may or may not have much to do with like music at all or art necessarily. Like I was really intrigued about talking to somebody who is... Uh, like works construction work but they do like finish work and all sorts of stuff like interior work and everything and I, i'm just intrigued by that because you know it's kind of has likenesses to uh guitar refinishing and things like that but that story for another time um check out tim's links down below with elision check out the audible farm links down below don't forget to check out the audible farm shop don't forget to check out the audible farm patreon video versions of the podcast one dollar a month over there on the audible farm patreon i'm out of here peace